Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm your host, Justin Poulin. Joining me, as always, John Duke. This is our post-Christmas show, and it's literally the next morning. I'm a little strung out from four days with family, friends, and late nights, John, and getting a little scruffy, too, for those of you watching on YouTube. So, uh how was your how was your holiday and obviously uh, I'm glad we waited a couple of days to do this even though we told everybody we might be um doing our next show right before uh you know right in the middle I should say of the of the holiday weekend there was a lot of anger had we recorded Saturday so yeah I think we're all in a in a post holiday glow right now you know um we're on the verge of new years and all that comes with it but uh Look, this was a great game last night, uh, for the Celtics and Sixers. Um, I think we, it was desperately needed after the way this week started, uh, since our last show. So to be able to cap the holiday, cap a Christmas celebration for, for my family, um, with the Celtics win over the Sixers, that's, uh, that's a pretty good Christmas present from Brad Stevens, Danny Angel Company. Yeah, and it was much needed. I mean, really just pathetic losses to Phoenix, uh, the Suns and the Bucks, really. The Phoenix one, really inexcusable. They just have had this knack this season of either staking another team a pretty big lead and trying to dig out, although that's happening less and less, the digging out part, uh, or hanging with lesser teams like Phoenix. And remember, during that, what, eight-game winning streak, they were beating up on the dregs of the league, so to speak, and they've played Phoenix closely in the past. This is not the first time the Celtics have struggled to put Phoenix away. Um, remember, Booker had a huge game against them a couple of years ago and went totally off. And and I know it's not just him, but it seems like Phoenix will give them a little bit of trouble. They'll run, but I think a lot of it has come down to the Celtics, just their, their effort. I, that's what's becoming so maddening for me in this season was – I even wrote it on Twitter. It's just getting to a point where it just is unbearable to watch them because nobody's coming out with that anger. Nobody is coming out with that drive, and the consistency is sorely lacking. Even Scal said it, I think, during the Bucks broadcast that uh, I think Mike asked him, you know, what do you think about this team so far? We're, you know, this way through the season. And 
Scal said, look, I think they have the makings of a team who can win a championship. They're a special team, but at the same time, you know, really not seeing the consistency that you t- typically would get from a team at yep. that level. And that, that, that is probably the best summation and the most succinct way to say it because it's, it's the name, it's mm-hmm. the truth. And it gets to a point sometimes when you're watching the games, you're like, I can't even handle this. Like, I just can't even watch this basketball because I know what they have in them and they're not even, they're just not giving it to us. It's, it's 2010 redo, my friend, where we did a lot of shows about that 2010 team that just made you want to, uh, rip your hair out. Um, that's why, you know, we're, 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 our, our previous sponsor for him has probably looked for us. Um, you know, it, it, 2010 was a tough, tough year, you know, um, it was, it was a hard watch until about, you know, I'd say May 6, 7, 8 when, when they kind of got going against, um, the magic. And that was a team that was wildly talented and just couldn't get their act together. And, you know, in retrospect, we find out that, you know, there's some stuff going on and, you know, Rondo's ready for a higher role and he and Ray are bristling with each other and, you know, KG's still trying to come back, you know, and I think it's roles and it's people coming back from injuries. And here we are again, unfortunately. And I don't know that it's as as combative behind the scenes. I think it's much more of a situation where you have young guys trying to find their role. And I think you saw in the Philly game, Tatum was a guy who had to get pulled out at one instance during the game uh, and came back in. Even though he was having a pretty good game. Pretty good game. But needs that readjustment. He's, you know, he's 20 years old. The kid needs... You know, he needs to be brought back in line and figure out, hey, look, this is who I am. And when he did do that, I mean, look, let, let's talk about finishing the game. Kyrie made an crazy, crazy shots, right? Crazy shots. I mean, amazing shots. Yeah, they probably should have lost but, that game. Honestly, they should have well, lost that game. I don't game. know. No, I don't feel that way. I don't feel that way, but, but I they think they staked a five point lead at the well, start of the overtime. They well, were shooting Philly. three balls. I but, know, but they're shooting three balls. They it, weren't going inside. They started to fall into that trap and then they adjusted and they went back inside, but it still took two hero three pointers for yeah, them to walk away. Okay, but you can't. Kyrie is hero ball. Like Kyrie makes those shots. Kyrie won a championship on and on did it again like at the end of right. the regulation. It wouldn't even he, be an OT if he hadn't driven into right. a swarm of defenders and somehow laid that up. For us mere mortals, that's that's crazy, right? But for him, that's that's the normal. Like you and I were texting about this kind of you know at the end of the game there, and it's like that he just does those things. You know, the the difference was I felt is that he had help. I mean, look at. Tatum's block, Tatum's rebounding, especially at the end of the fourth quarter and into the overtime. Like those are the things that make them make them a better team. Tatum being the second best player is huge for this team. It, it gives him that trajectory to move up. But also, I thought that you know he said something after the game. I'm trying to be better all round player. You know, and I thought. That's the type of thing a kid says when you're 20, when you heard it two days before and you're trying to make sure the, the media knows what the right thing to say is. I think that's the message he got. Look, uh, Kyrie's saying, you, I, I will get you more shots, but you got to do the other things to earn those shots. And I thought in that fourth quarter and overtime, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, he was aggressive. And I felt like he was aggressive the entire game, but you're right. And you want to talk about players needing an adjustment. How about how he finished that game with Marcus Smart on the bench? Um, you know, he got yanked for that 
very ill-timed foul, right? And he gets sat down. So Marcus and the other Marcus, thank goodness, uh, Horford and, and, uh, and, and, uh, Senior were healthy for that game because they were much needed. But without Morris, they would have definitely been in a hole. They, they get two 10 point leads in that game and, and fitter them away, which is just so the Celtics this season and frustratingly so. But they had to send a message even to Marcus Smart, who the two Marcuses have what has been what's really righted the ship for that starting lineup for the most part this year. But nobody, is, I would say, immune. Nobody gets a free pass. It's about constantly setting these expectations. It'll be interesting to see what happens to Marcus. I think they let that one go. I think he stays in the starting lineup just because of the way things are going. We're obviously going to have to talk about Gordon Hayward in a little bit. But before we do that, just a reminder, you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke and the entire CLNS Media Network at CLNS Media. Facebook.com slash CLNS fans and download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace. Finally, YouTube.com slash CLNS Media for high-definition, full-length locker room interviews, the Garden Report, the Roundtable, and, of course, us right here with our own playlist, Celtic Stuff Live. So, John, with the Marcus Smart sort of benching and nobody being, you know, sort of above the law, I guess, the Celtics law, and maybe that's all built in around this depth, but um, do you think there's any fallout from that, or do you think Marcus is – it's just Marcus, he's passionate, made a bad decision. you got to take that with all the three-pointers he hit during important stretches of that game because he did hit some big ones. No, you're right. I mean, that's, I don't think you have, you can do much with that, honestly. I mean, it's, it's here the moment. It was dumb. It was dumb at the moment. You know, when you watched it, even on replay, but, you know, and we've all been in games where you get frustrated, you get hot, you know, but he clearly stepped over a line there with the push. You know, if it was, if it was just a, a common foul, you know, reading the rebound in action, nobody thinks anything of it, but it takes a four point game to a five point game. And, you know, that, that might have been a problem for the Celtics had they not had Kyrie Irving and, and, and company. Um, you know, but the, I, I think it's great. But you know what? Ben Simmons fouled the hell out of him. And oh, that game oh. was so frustratingly officiated. You know, I love a physical game and I don't really have a problem right. with that, but they let the game get out of control because, hey, it's a Christmas Day game. It's important. You know, definitely the best. One of the best games going, the Lakers game was also sort of interesting, I guess, but you know, the way that it turned out and LeBron getting hurt, but we'll set that aside. This was really the matinee game. It's 5.30. Most people are kind of wrapping up a little bit. Maybe there's a Christmas dinner and you know, you're wrapping that up. Just people were definitely tuned in for the 5.30. This, to me, this was the premier game on, of the day and they definitely put on a great show. And I get that that's, you know, part of the game and that physical play between Boston and Philly is a good thing. And there's a budding rivalry and there's lots of reasons, but, but seriously, Marcus never would have gotten teed up if they had just blown the whistle when Simmons shoved him. And it's a blatant foul underneath the basket. Well, that's, and I, I think you're absolutely right. That's, it was compounded by the pressures of non-calls. And, you know, I, I liked the game call yesterday. Credit to Mark Jones and Hubie Brown. I mean, that was a Christmas gift from ABC to me, I felt like, and, and to all of us Celtics fans, because we didn't have to li- we didn't have to listen to Breen, Van Gundy, and uh, Mark Jackson. They were lucky enough went to see their um, 
their pen pal will say, uh, LeBron James. So, uh, in the latter game. So we, uh, we had pen a great pal. That's hilarious. I was trying to be nice about that and <laughs> saying something that was probably inappropriate. But, uh, CLS media, radio waves or TV waves or whatever the hell they are. Podcast waves. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, no, I, I, they didn't call it. They, they didn't, it wasn't really, really even remarked upon, uh, I thought. And in fact, that really helps Philly. The more physical game, especially, in a general sense, I'd say in a, in a series, in a game when you don't have Aaron Baines out there, um, you know, you're thin at the center position. You know, Horford was game. supposed to be on a minutes restriction. Right. He was clearly running out of gas. And this is a team that has gotten eaten alive on the boards and giving up numerous offensive rebounds all year long. This is one of their biggest Achilles heels. So yeah, if they take a team that's typically athletic and not necessarily as beefy strong, which is why Baines is so important in this Philly matchup for the Celtics. Uh it, you give them that and you're definitely giving them an edge. hundred yeah. percent. I you know, I I don't want to jump into the next conversation here uh that I want to, but um <laughs> I think that why don't you want to tee talk- it up? Why don't okay. you tee it up All by right. closing this All one? Right. Then so, when we hit the commercial yeah. break, we'll come back out. That way, you know, wet their appetite a little bit, John. So here's the issue I see is that it's that four position, right? I, I think Horford Tice, I mean, I think in terms of rebounding, you're getting about the same thing from either one of them. Um, not great, but passable. Can probably keep the guy on their back, and but you need help. You, you got to have the guards coming back and, and all that. The issue is, is it's that four man. The four man is really the guy who I think is is getting a lot of those blocks or a lot of those rebounds and getting on the block and keeping a guy behind him. So whether it's it's Morris, Morris got called for a lot of fouls, but he's he's those are hustle plays, or or it's Tatum. But Tatum really has not shown the consistency to play that position. The Celtics next year really need someone who can play that four position, who can get enough rebounds, strong enough, um, but quick enough to obviously stay in front. And I'm not sure they have that guy outside of Marcus Morris right now. And so if that's the case, where do you look? And I, I think you look at number 20. So, you know, I, I and I want to talk a little bit more about that guy uh, Gordon Hayward would get after the break. But, but, but let's say this, that's, too. You're right. That definitely flows. And we are 100% hitting Gordon Hayward coming out of that break. Yeah. But but I want to complete that thought as it relates to the Philly game, since we're talking about the physicality. We're talking about that foul that yeah. Ben Simmons got away with under the basket. And and I'll say, I'll say basically that Tice was getting eaten alive. Right. I mean, he had some, he had a, and, and it wasn't, while we're talking about things that Scal said over the past week, maybe that's the title of this show. I thought first we would title the show, please let this be, you know, the turning point, right? right? Which we'll still title it, I'm sure, but it could also be things Scal said in the last week because he was talking about Tice. He's like, you know, he never has a bad game. You know, you like what he gives you. He has, you know, okay games. He has good games. You know, every once in a while he might have a great game, but he never has a bad game. Well, I think he finally had a bad game thanks to Scal throwing the jinx on him because he was getting, he was getting eaten alive. And that, that was putting a lot of pressure on Horford, who's been struggling to stay healthy with this whole knee thing. Well, I think, I think guarding Embiid is, is a tall task for anybody. Lesser, uh, I would say greater players than Tice. Have, have had situations where they've been similarly swallowed by Joel Embiid. I thought, but I thought that wasn't enough. And, and I don't think when I see what Tice does, 
Embiid is not the guy that I would generally think of as because Embiid can do everything. He's quick. He can shoot. He can pound on the post. I mean, <clears throat> you got everything going on with him. And Tice really is. I mean, he's a six nine guy. He's not. He's not like a six eleven. You know, kind of a little bit. You know, long but you know narrow, kind of like Robert Williams. He's he's six nine. He's small, and so. I feel, and we talked about how he really should be a power forward a lot of times. I just, I think it's a bad matchup for him. I guess you got to do the best you can in that situation. I felt but like Tice, Robert Williams should have been four. using some fouls. That's, I mean, why not, yeah. right? Why not just to get somebody coming in off the bench? Because there is the athleticism factor. He would, right. he would have gotten his lunch eaten, but he would have yeah. learned some valuable lessons against Embiid. And once you saw Tice was having the bad game, why not roll with it? And just tell him, you know, be physical with him, frustrate him. Because there was a stretch. I think he scored eight points in like a minute and 27 seconds or something ridiculous. At that point, I was like, you just got to frustrate that guy and slow it down. Because the reason he's dominating right now is because we can't slow it down. They're getting up-tempo. They're getting into the paint with ease. He's totally high-flying. And my first thought instinctually at that moment was, you're not going to stop him. So what you've got to do is get in his head. You've got to make him work for it and, you know, put him at the line and just slow this pace down a little bit. And I felt like Williams could have used up some fouls. And, and you know, I've been a big fan of using your fouls. And that's not something that I think Brad really instructs the team to do. But that's a comment I've made, you know, several times during the Brad Stevens era. Well, I think, and, and the foul that, uh, it was near the end of the, of the fourth where Tatum wraps up, uh, Ben Simmons where he was kind of runaway freight train. Simmons missed one, right? And then, you know, so there are times when that really, really does work to your advantage. I just, I think that you're right. I think Williams probably deserved a spot. Get, get the time lord in there and see what he can do. Um, I, but I, I also think that, um, <laughs> It goes back to this issue of the power forward spot, you know, and having the right fit for what this team needs. If you go small, you need the right effort and the right production from a guy in that position. Um, and to, to be as a counterbalance to that, Joel Embiid is a hell of a player. That guy is, he is a load, no doubt about it. Uh, the players around him, I'm a little bit more questionable about their uh, long-term prospects. And Bede's good. If he plays, he's good. And uh, and credit to him for a, a good performance there on Sunday, although he did have kind of the big turnover that, that lost the game for the Sixers. So I really <laughs> do love him. <laughs> well, you teed it up perfectly uh, for the listeners because we're obviously going to come back. We're going to talk about that power forward spot. We're going to talk about Gordon Hayward. But first, Boston sports fans, do you want to get killer seats to see your favorite team for the price of a beer or a large pizza? I bet you're tired of paying for all those inflated markups from brokers. Or what about those last-minute convenience charges just to end up paying courtside prices for nosebleed seats go to one in 100.co that's o-n-e-i-n 100.co feeling lucky try it out now because there's no other place online that's doing raffles to win tickets to events and a totally new way to score tickets to see the boston celtics the cost of potential Potentially score these tickets with one in 100 is a small fraction of the actual ticket price. You can win a pair of tickets for less than the cost of a beer, and your first raffle ticket is free after signing up. 
the experience of using one in 100 is extremely fun and exciting from picking your lucky number to the feeling of potentially scoring premium tickets. Feeling lucky? Try it. One in 100.co. That's O-N-E-I-N 100.co. And Robinhood, an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission free. This non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time gives you true confidence. I have friends that have been encouraging me to invest in cryptocurrencies and now I've finally done it with Robinhood's easy to use app. Other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, but Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees. You can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Learn how to invest as you build your portfolio. You can discover new stocks and track favorite companies with a personalized news feed and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving our listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at CelticStuff.Robinhood.com. That's CelticStuff.Robinhood.com. All right, John, as we kind of wrap this Oh, I, I shouldn't say wrap it up. We're just hitting the second half of the show. But the big topic really, and it was all over Twitter, is just how difficult of a game that Gordon Hayward had against Philly. And that's an athletic team. He's recovering from injury. But as of late, there was a moment when he was first inserted into that bench unit role where I thought, okay, you know, he's building his confidence. This is good. But over the last week to week and a half, um, he has definitely struggled, and I get it. He may be a step slower as he's recovering from injury, but I also feel like he just needs to get a little more aggressive. Um, and I think I tweeted this out. Somebody just needs to make him really angry. I get it. He may still not turn the corner and all that, but I think he's got to start using some size and some strength, and I think he really needs to just push himself by bringing some serious aggressiveness. Even if he fouls out, he's already coming in off the bench. What the heck? Just, you know, go after it. And and who knows? Maybe that'll bring some of that athleticism back. The scary thought is maybe it's not coming back. You're on mute, John. So what? Sorry. What I, yeah, Sorry. there you go. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was trying not to make a lot of dumb noises while you're doing the, the ad read. Um, yeah, so... Gordon Hayward needs to get to his place where he feels comfortable. I felt like before the injury, he was tailing off, but after he, and I say injury, I guess the illness when he had, when he had the flu, ever since then, he's been real bad. Like before he was like, this not aggressive, not, you know, picks his spots, but lately it's been completely out of sync. So I'm hoping the road does something for him. Uh, I'm hoping that, that a chance to kind of find his, his way will return. Um, I just feel like right now Gordon is um, he, he's he's all out of sorts, and I, I actually think the the athleticism is starting to come back. We've seen a couple uh, a couple lobs he threw the, the dunk down against Charlotte. He um, had a nice little alley oop lay in. Um, I think they wanted to throw it down, but it was kind of an odd angle. Um, Chase down blocks, um, you know, in the Charlotte game. I think those types of aggressive athletic moves are kind of becoming more a part of the game. Uh, the issue though is still the straight line drive to the hoop, 
trying to finish over somebody. He's tried that a little bit. He, you know, Scal made mention of it. I, that's the first time I, you know, he said, I, it's the first time I'd seen that, you know, from him. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's about mindset to me. I think it's that he's not focused on, um, on where he's fitting in right now, and I'm not sure he knows what to do. I don't know what's going on in the locker room. Well, he doesn't room, fit but in. There's, but there's a lot that needs to change about Gordon Hayward's game to fit just for this year. And then we'll talk about next year and beyond because that's where the real concerns from a team perspective. It's one thing if he's not so great this year, right? Because you think maybe he'll get a summer and he'll be back. But but next summer and beyond, we still have that <laughs> that contract still goes on. Celtics need to make some really big decisions this summer about who's part of this team and who's not going forward. And uh, that could be a tough decision. If Well, if and there's some salary that. in there. I mean, that's the other thing. Right. There's a sizable. So here's the issue. Hayward's young, but now we've got to see him get back to that level of play to justify that salary. Horford is getting older, and he's got a gigantic amount of the salary. And then you have this younger movement, these players like Brown and Tatum that, you know, to your point, Tatum in the middle of a big game like that still kind of needs to be reined in. At the same time, they're going to be demanding some of that cash. That's going to be very difficult decisions for this team. You also talked about how do they deal with the power forward spot. And I was kind of teeing you up there a little bit too, because when I talked about the aggressiveness that I wanted to see from Hayward, you know, I know I've said this before, but I felt like he was a little bit bulkier at the start of last year before the injury, which makes sense. You know, build some muscle, and then when you're rehabbing and you can't walk around, you're going to lose some of that muscle. But he was definitely being uh, groomed to to play the four in a small lineup before the injury. It was pretty clear that was where his conditioning was going to me and everything else. And you're right. This team is lacking. And guess who the guy is? You said it. Marcus Morris. He's the one that really fits that role. And then there we go. Where's the money going in the offseason? You know, there could be a contingency of Celtics fans that get really weird about a choice to, and they don't really have one, but stick with Gordon Hayward long-term financially because they may not have any other way out. And then watching Marcus Morris go and become, you know, really a premier small four in somebody else's lineup. Yeah, I hate to see that, but it's very much a, a possibility. I mean, I, I think part of it is Gordon Hayward needs to know who he is before he can know what he can provide the team. I think that's that's the, the, the kernel of this whole issue. Hayward doesn't know who he is right now. He's still trying to figure out what he can do, what he can't do, how, you know, and then you add on top of that the issues around him on this team. If you put him in the middle of a, your average run-of-the-mill NBA team, it may not be as bad as it is right now. Here we have so many different agendas and, and you know, different pieces that everyone's trying to bring to the table. Kyrie's trying to be the best leader ever. You know, Horford is just trying to, you know, play the game and do the right thing. Tatum is knows what the right thing to do is, but sometimes gets sucked back into the long twos and not moving enough. You know, Jalen is a complete mess. Rozier is up and down. I mean, on and on and on we go. You know, and I think on top of that, you got Gordon Hayward, who's trying to figure out who the hell he is as a player. We know he's an all-star player. You know, he's capable of that. We know that he can move the ball and is a great facilitator. But apart from that, you know, he still doesn't trust himself, I think. I mean, there was situations, he's got, 
JJ Redick on him. And look, I, I'm not saying Redick. I thought was spry at times and was doing some stuff. Why the hell? Yeah, but even Jalen posted him up a few times. Like he right. worked that match up. Why? And would, no right. reason Gordon it, couldn't have done the that's same. That's exactly my point. Why wasn't? Why weren't we running horns and getting getting Hayward on on the elbows and creating opportunities for Hayward to do stuff from the elbows and create from there on those second units? I don't understand that because that's to me that's how he gets confidence. Are we picking on JJ Redick maybe too much? Possibly, but and and they were bringing a double. So because Hayward wasn't quick enough to recognize the double, there was a couple turnovers he had there, particularly I think in the second second quarter or third quarter. I can't remember which one. Um, he's got to be better than that. His awareness has got to be there. But he's not even ready for the situation, it feels like. It feels like he's just in a fog out there at times. He needs to just play. And and I think Rozier actually will help him. If Rozier can start to show some of that poise he has in the last two games, uh, I think that can be a help because I think Hayward's trying to bring everybody up in that second unit. He's got probably the two most disappointing players, Brown and Rozier, on that bench unit, and maybe maybe that's a problem for him. I don't know. Well, I think they it's should just, get better. It's, you know it's, what? It's frustrating. They got to force it. Brad should put the ball in his hands and have him set up the offense. Period. The end. That's one thing he's smart enough to do. When when he was first inserted into that second unit, he was doing it. We've already determined anybody who's watching these games that Rozier just does. How many times does he just pull up for a three, and it just doesn't make sense? I mean, especially this year, I felt like in the starting lineup last year they kind of got that together, and every once in a while he'd do it and nail it. But there are moments where I'm just like, Terry, come on. It is not time for you to pull up a heat check. Even Smart did one after a nice string of flurry threes where he was really knocking them down. It might have been the first half against Philly. And then he came up and just did a heat check, and he was like two steps behind the line. And I'm like, come on, Smart, be smarter. It just was not. And and Rozier has that tendency, too. And I think Gordon, if he has one thing to give, regardless of where he's at in terms of physical rehab and athleticism, is playmaking and direction and knowledge of the game. They might as well just give it to him because Terry's not a point guard. They're floating him out there with Kyrie just to take some of the pressure off of Kyrie in ball handling and get him off ball, but it still doesn't work right. I think Gordon, that's the best spot for him. Put him in that playmaking role, let him run with it, and force the issue. Because it's going to force the issue with him on the second unit. Instead of trying to build everybody else up and do all the little things, he's got to be able to do the things that he's capable of doing, like scoring and playmaking. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they got to force him into it. Part of the reason he's in a fog is because he is absolutely not a central core of the offense, whether he's out there with the starting unit or in that second unit, and they just need to make that happen. Um so it'll be interesting because that's a tough one. It could also destroy his confidence, right? It could go the other way if he can't make it work, and and who knows. But it, we knew it was going to be a tough season for for Hayward. Although I thought physically he'd be, you know, better by this point. It still lingers in the back of your mind that come March when he's really gotten through that, that he could start to heat up like that. That could all start to come together by that time frame for him, but. It also could be a, a lost season in many ways, and we'd have to see. He'll have an off season. I guess the one thing for next year is we talk about all that salary and close out this conversation and wrap up the show. There is something to be said for getting a full, healthy off season uh, set of workouts, and it could be a big difference next year. You know, I, I said that about there could be this group of why do we let Morris go 
and we've we've got Hayward and he has all this salary and look how he played. Like that's the the potential issue, but he could easily be the comeback player of the year next year if he doesn't wind up, you know, getting right before uh, before the summer. So, hey, we're gonna wrap the show, but before we do, I think there's probably three games on the docket. We're obviously coming the day after Christmas to you today. I can see us doing a New Year's. Uh, New Year's Day show after the Celtics play the Spurs on Monday night, uh, New Year's Eve. So wishing everybody happy holidays and a happy new year. That's probably when we're going to come back to you is in 2019. But we have three pretty difficult games, I would say, for the Celtics, at least two fairly difficult ones. Rockets on Thursday. And I don't know if Chris Paul will be healthy, so that certainly helps. And then they've got the Grizz on Saturday, and as I mentioned, the Spurs game. So none of them are back-to-backs. I think that's great for this team. Um, I, I'm really, I am going to say again, the title of the show, please let this be the turning point. Although there's still lots of cause for concern, even over a big win against Charlotte where Kemba has torched this team uh, recently, but not that night. They got a big lead, and they were able to hold on to it. Still some disappointing lapses, though, and that's really what I'm getting at. Uh, lots of potential issues there. So Rockets could be a tough matchup. They do go on the road. Um, I'm still going to say they go 2-1. and one. I think they I think they get the, the Rockets and the Grizz and then somehow drop one on New Year's Eve night against the Spurs. Where are you going, John? Same exact place. I, I, I don't know if it's because there was a, a, a 20, almost a, well, I don't know if it was 20 or 15 year stretch, I guess. No, no, it, I guess a 10 year stretch when, during the Duncan era where the Celtics never won in, uh, against the Spurs. I mean, it, went, it was like, it was like 20 games long. Um, so no matter what, I just have this weird thing. The Spurs haven't been great this year. Arguably, I'd say the Spurs are actually the weakest of all of those teams. It seems like Houston is starting to get themselves right, the right to ship. Um, so I, I'm also going to go two and one. I just don't, that's based upon the idea that they actually are getting it together. Uh, because I think it's tough to go on the road and, and get that, you know, kind of get themselves back in line. It's a, you know, it's a, it's an interesting three game road trip against what I think should be some playoff teams, hopefully not the Grizz. Uh, hopefully they'll start to fall out of it, but um, should be three playoff teams. Again, although the Spurs haven't been good, uh, still I think it's I think it's a challenge. I think it's a challenge. The likes of at least what we saw against Charlotte and on, at home, they were able to blow them out. So let's see if on the road, Solis can bring that same focus and energy. Sometimes the best thing you need to do is get on the road in these situations and, uh, you know, come together as a team. Absolutely. And, get, and we talked about it on that last road trip out West and it definitely didn't come together then. And we not. were, we were sorely hoping, you know, <laughs> the players not. seem to have had called this team meeting. I mean, I know the coaches were in there, but it really did yeah. seem Kyrie led before you know they go out and, and blow out the Hornets and so maybe there's an opportunity for them to build on that um, there was definitely a lot of passing in the Hornets game um, almost overpassing but it was really great to see the ball swinging around I think that's what Brad really wanted from the offense I'm not sure we got that a hundred percent against Philly but I think you know there were definitely elements of it it's just you know, these three, the, it's the falling in love with the three pointer without moving the ball first that drives me crazy about this team. And that's what they, after the team meeting, did do much better against Charlotte. So maybe they can build on that team meeting, that camaraderie and really they don't trust each other. That's the bottom line with this team right now. They're all trying to find their way and there's too many people with lacking confidence and they're 
they're giving it like a disease, like the flu. It's the lack of confidence flu that they're giving to each other. And they just need to start believing uh, in themselves and each other as a unit. And and I think, you know, the, the aversion to paint touches in those situations and, and creating situations off the dribble and then creating shots for others, um, knowing that you may not be the one who is ultimately the recipient of the ball to get the shot. Like you need that selflessness out there. And that's what smart was able to do. Let's hope that they can get back to that. Um, it, it's not <laughs> that, that Phoenix game and, and the Bucks game. It just, it seemed like they're trying too hard to let, to win the, the game themselves, you know, and, instead of, just saying, look, I got Jalen Brown over there. I got, I got Gordon Hayward over there. I've got, you know, let the, let the hold the totality of your team, the overall talent of your team, um, overtake the other team. And they haven't been able to do that. They've been trying to be push, putting themselves forward. I think they can get it figured out. I don't think there's bad characters or bad eggs in this. I don't think this is a good guy, bad guy scenario. Hopefully we won't. Now that's why I say it's a lack of confidence. It's a lack of trust in each other. It's a team dynamics issue. And yeah, and hopefully this will get rectified um, with a road trip because typically, like you said, that's when they kind of get rid of some of the distractions and there's lots of time to bond it. Maybe they just need to lie to each other and tell each other how awesome they are. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, no, you're the best. Basically, no, you're the Chris best. Farley show. Yeah. Hey, remember that time when you hit that shot? That was awesome. It was awesome. That's what we need. We need the or Chris just Farley some deep show. thoughts from Jack Handy, right? Like, <laughs> let's just, all right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's show. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media Mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. Heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you give us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to our show. And for staff writer, you know him, Samuel Elias, executive Sammy. producer, Larry H. Russell, and the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and also my co-host, John Duke. I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live. Jack Handy. <laughs> Dude, the SNL references never get old. Never. I loved that 20, era of SNL. Five years, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, it's okay, you know, nowadays and that Matt Damon SNL appearance, you know, at Christmas, like it's just like this miserable Christmas and at the end of the, at the end of the day, you're telling, you know, your wife or your spouse, oh, this was a great Christmas. It was yeah. the best, you know, and so they still have, they have a lot of mojo, but it's just not like, Back in the like when Frankenstein and oh, yeah. uh, they Tarko. were doing, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. doing the Frankenstein and oh oh Tarzan yes yes right yes. they were doing like uh, like Christmas carols I just yes. that that whole era the the young it's kind of like the Celtics if you think about it there's like this group of talented young actors Adam Sandler mm-hmm. Chris Farley right and then you have these old stalwarts that have been in the business forever. They figured it out. Everyone got their shots. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, you had Phil Hartman, remember? And uh, Dana Carvey was kind of on the way out at that point. So, so I guess, you know, that's, it really is kind of similar in a way, that transition. They figured it out. Nobody's made the SNL of the late eighties and early, or I guess it was more the early nineties reference to this Celtics team. I guess we're the only ones to do it. We're the only ones old enough probably to still watch it. <laughs>
I'm sure the uh, the ATO show guys aren't going to do it. So, <laughs> so is Al Horford? Is he Dana Carvey? No, no. I think I think Kyrie's Dana Carvey. I think it'd be Horford would be Kevin Nealon. Kevin, Kevin Nealon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. He's totally tall. Weekend update. Totally you know, physical similarities. Yeah, you got the weekend update. So you know the base of the show. You know, you get that. Everything's built around weekend update. And uh yeah, I think Carvey's Kyrie. I think uh Sand Sandman's obviously Tatum. I mean, yep. that's that's got to be. Or Farley. I don't know. Who oh, no, no. Farley's Jalen Brown. <laughs> immensely, immensely talented. Oh, yikes. Total wild card. <laughs> yikes. You know what I mean? Let's hope it doesn't end like Farley did. Holy moly. <laughs> who's, who's David Spade then? Did we give that to Rozier? Rozier. Oh, he's totally Rozier. Rozier's yeah, David absolutely. Spade. He's going to play second fiddle to Chris Farley. Absolutely. Yep. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. Let's see. Who else? Uh, let's see. Jalen is okay. Smart. Smart would be Mike Myers. Oh yeah. Because he's kind of straddles both worlds. He kind of works with the old, but, uh, he kind of does his own thing, you know? Yeah. Um, he's totally, yeah. He's totally Mike Myers. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it. Boom. All right. <laughs> 